everybody, welcome to the Final Fantasy 16 spoiler cast, a uh, crossplay episode between the Brothers Take and Last Call Gaming. I am Chris. I am joined by my brother Eric. Hey, Dan. We are delighted to be joined by Mr. Craig Perales from Last Call Gaming. How you doing, boys? It's been a it's been a long time coming. This long has been coming, a long yeah. time coming. We should start with that. We've been actually trying to collab for quite some time, right? What was I'm trying to remember what the first one because me and you were originally the ones that were talking, trying to set something up. I'm trying to remember yeah, yeah. what the first game was, but I know it was like it felt like a year ago at this point. I'd say it if was not longer. Yeah, yeah and there was, was a few... Resident Evil Four. No, no, I don't no, know if it was Resident Evil Four. Yeah, that. no, because I it was Resident Evil. There was a few different things, and then, and then the last time we tried to do something as well was Jedi Spoiler or Jedi Survivor. Jedi, yeah, yeah, that was one, yeah. But you were sick at the time, and anyway, yeah. it's always something in my life. <laughs> and, and, and I suppose as well, it's it could be challenging the the time differences and the different ways we work, and like I find it hard just to get me, Adam, and Eric together. So, because <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Did we forget? Is it is it a is it seven hours or eight hours difference? It's an eight hour that? time difference. Yeah, so you guys are going to bed, and I'm just waking up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. But delighted to finally be here to finally be doing this and mm -hmm. to talk about final fantasy 16 in the most interesting way which is the spoilers because this is a very story driven game uh, it's heavy on the narrative and i feel like the big high you can't talk about like the big highlights of this game without getting into spoilers you just can't like it's those big iconic battles and all those great character moments and stuff like that so just to put it out there in case you clicked onto this by accident and you didn't read the title this is your spoiler warning there will be no point where it's like and now we're getting the spoilers this whole thing is a spoiler cast and this is part one of our final fantasy 16 spoiler cast where we'll be focusing on each dominant and their icon and the arc that they have in the story. They are some of the main cast of the story. Um, so final spoiler warning is right there. Let's do this. Let's fucking kick this off. <laughs> <laughs> With our main man, Clive Rossfield, the protagonist of Final Fantasy 16, and of course, the dominant of Ifrit. Um, what what were your like? What were you guys' impressions of Clive going into the game, and then like, what do you think of the character as you played it going forward? Craig, I'd love to come to you first. Yeah, I think Clive was um, really interesting. He's someone that a lot of people had their eyes on. So when you were watching some of those original trailers, and you were watching this kind of character, you're like, "Oh, okay, um, new build." He's not as bright and colorful as a lot of other Final Fantasy characters generally are. You look at like Cloud and Tifa and things like that. And the aesthetic is really kind of what pulled his look in for me. I love that kind of medievalness that he has, that fantasy lore. Um, when you start playing the game, I mean, obviously he starts off younger, which I thought was very interesting, right? He's kind of this, even though he's the firstborn, he's kind of like the second in line, apparently, for the dominant because he was kind of passed over with the, uh, like the Phoenix Passage or whatever that was. Yeah. So not only does this kid already get hate from his mom, but you can tell that like he's extremely loved by the father. So when you when you're playing that intro, that prologue, which I believe was the free trial or the demo that you could do when it originally mm -hmm. came out, that yeah. was awesome. It was it was extremely cool to see that this kid is not only like this protector of his younger brother, but um, an outcast within royalty within his own family. And as he progresses and you see him get older, um, 
I think, I mean, I don't want to, let's see if we can jump into, do you guys remember who the voice actor was? Uh, ben Starr. Ben Starr, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was so well voice acted. Everything about this character when he's talking was extremely emotional. I was actually reading that I think Ben Starr's father like passed away during his um, time recording Final Fantasy 16. Wow. So all that emotion that was in there. Hmm. Um, so for me, it was just, not only was this guy acted extremely well, I loved the look and I loved his role. Like I said, like he was, this outcast within his own family, he gets um, betrayed. I mean, there was a lot of things we can dive into this character, but off the bat, I love him when you see him in the trailer and then following his kind of narrative by himself, because unlike the other Final Fantasies, it's not really a, a group party that you're assembling and he, he groups up with people here and there. But when you get to follow this, his personal storyline, I felt extremely invested, almost like no other Final Fantasy before it. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's those are big words. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have my notes. <laughs> That's just riffing, man. Eric, what, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I I did like Clive. Now, I did think he was a little bit like some others. In that you have like the dark, demeaning, uh, sort of like um, depressing character, which you get with like Squall and Cloud. But I yeah. like Squall and Cloud. So yeah. I like Clive because like, the whole yeah. Yeah, yeah. fun, chirpy, you know, let's have a jolly old time yeah. wouldn't have worked in this world. And like what you were saying, the fact that from the get go, when we see him be young and his mother hates him, but he like, you know, because he's even though he's the oldest, yes, he's not next in line. And so his mother treats him like crap. It, it immediately gets into that kind of almost Game of Thrones style world. Right. Like he's, he's Tyrion Lannister, essentially of the Lannister <laughs> family. Um, just because of essentially how he's born. The Phoenix didn't, didn't choose him. And so I really like that. And so that would obviously shape his, his path and how he perceives the world. And it was nice to see him as the story went on, that he gained hope because at the start of the, the start of his story, after the betrayal, after he was pretty much enslaved and turned into a living weapon, he kind of lost hope and he had a very dark outlook on the world. And then he found hope through all the other outcasts that he found. So he does go on this really nice, nice journey throughout it. And it very much, yeah, it's very much his story. You see it from beginning to, to end. Um, So I did, I did quite like him. I did quite like him. As, as yeah, I agree. I, I like Clive. I mean, I, I'm more into the, I, a lot of people, it depends on what you find uh, cringy, right? Different Final Fantasy players find different things cringy. So some people find the real series, what they call the edge lord. They find that cringy. I find that cool. I'm okay with that. I'm, I would find like something like Titus and I like Titus, but I would find that cringy. The overly happy, overly kind of overly confident and stuff like that. Like, to me, that's what I would call cringe, right? So, right. so I quite like Clive's character. I, I find him a little bit more relatable and a little bit more human. Um, his his arc, he has a really great arc. Um, I just find that they they peak his arc a little too early in the game. At what point would you say? I would say like when he becomes Sid. Mm -hmm. He has kind of, and then, and that's who he is from then on right and he now wants to make a difference in the world but maybe that point happens too early in the grand scheme of the game because it's quite a long game like, yeah it's, it is. a really it's, long it's, game right it's um, up there. 
and like I did everything. I did all the side quests and all the hunts, and I I wanted to get everything I could out of this game. Um, and I was yeah, I was just surprised because like in the beginning, you're so invested in his hunt for revenge, and then you're so invested in his like his hunt for kind of redemption because it's like, did I really kill my own brother? It's like, <laughs> wow, that's a lot to deal with. And then he takes on Sid's kind of goal in life. And then, and that's his arc for the rest of it. He doesn't, it doesn't change at any point then for the rest of the game. I was quite like, I, I really liked the character. I was just really surprised that his arc remains there. Cause like you take a character like, I like Titus that we I mentioned a second ago, and his sort of big twist or change in character doesn't really come till towards the end of the game. Do you know? Yeah. Um, whereas yeah. for Clive, it does happen quite quite early on, which I think is like reminiscent of. It's not a game I've played, but I've heard lots of people talk about it before. Uh, Final Fantasy IV. A lot of people talk about uh, Cecil Harvey, and uh, he starts off as like a knight working for like the evil empire, and he goes out crusading and kills lots of innocent people. And then he eventually gets a change of heart and he becomes a good person. And then for the rest of the adventure, that's it. He, 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 he doesn't change again. That's, that's the rest of his arc. So kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Do you think that's um, a hindrance though? Do you think that slowed anything down or was it just like a negative point for you that it just, there's no more, there's no more yet to come. I think it's like a, a very minor negative like it didn't make me i didn't i don't like the character any less right i guess i just i wish something else happened to him in the latter half of the game more so than well okay i suppose something does happen to him right? yeah. <laughs> it's hard what? to say yeah it's hard to say <laughs> nothing happens to him but i guess i was waiting for maybe another revelation of some kind uh that i didn't quite get so he yeah it almost seems on the back half of the game they focus more on just finishing the crystals and getting the game done right right it's like we're, we're racing towards that but also take your time and and do everything right <laughs> but i want to ask um, you guys real quick though what, how long did it take you guys to actually beat this game because i wasn't sure how long you guys like how many you said earlier how many hours it took you to to, to play it like what how many weeks did you guys actually get this game done in over oh, oh my god because so i because I, I was checking this the game came out what june 22nd i yeah. looked at my last achievement for beating it it was on june 29th so wow like I, I, I i cruised through this game so which was yeah. two months ago i was curious of actually how long it took you guys um to smash I, through this i think all in all for um, me it was probably over three weeks um, i was I, yeah i was, i would have been the same because i think me and chris were sort of nearly neck and neck and where we were i think i yeah, got we were finished, discussing it a lot yeah i think i finished a, a day or two before chris so yeah about two three weeks this is okay, how long good. it took okay. me to complete it. Yeah, we're saying how long the journey is. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, over how much time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, doing yeah. it, doing it like in a week was was insane. <laughs> yeah, that sounds insane. No, I think it was over like three <laughs> weeks for me, and that wasn't a, um, like it was pretty much the only game I was playing during that period. It was just a like, when do I have time? When am I not working? When am I, you know, um, it was just very busy at the time. But it was like, like when I ever I had the free time, I was like, great, it's story time. Let's play Final Fantasy 16. I want to see what happens next. Like I was really invested in this story. Yeah, it's a good story. <laughs> but, oh, it is a good story. But my, I, ju I just found that after he becomes Sid, and it right. jumps forward in time, and like that's a huge, big, shocking moment, right? Like it's, it's yeah, amazing. I don't, I don't know if I love incredible. that. But... <laughs> um, I found that 
I was getting less and less invested in Clive's arc. Because originally I was like, we got to find this killer. I'm going to get my revenge. Then after that, I was like, I got to pay for my sins. I did a bad thing. And then after that, I was like, I guess I should help as many people as I can, right? <laughs> yeah, which, which, by the way, is taking your time, which when, when, when the, you know, the world's about to end and, and it's against the clock, it's like, oh, well, let me take the time and take months, to, which essentially in this, in this time of traveling would be mm. months of him helping out all these side characters. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this doesn't really <laughs> yeah. make sense that you're going to go help this. Everybody in the hideout has a problem of picking flowers and finding dirt <laughs> patches and and collecting really sand cool. and... yeah so Clyde yes. was really just like an everyman at the, at the end of the game where it's like it, it went from being a personal quest to being like oh well, what's the rest of the world want me to do yeah. for them yeah. yeah yeah i think him becoming like it's not exactly really early into the game when he becomes sick just the ending is quite long based on the amount of side quests you're getting of picking flowers and and go pick some dust by this by the water or <laughs> something or yeah um so that's actually so long that it feels like it's quite early in the game him becoming sick so if that bit was slightly shortened down a bit more especially as, as you say craig the the world's ending you know like yeah the, the, the halo <laughs> ring is about to go off like you know you don't exactly have time to I can pick flowers, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I also, I also thought too that when he became Sid, I'm like, it would have been cooler if it was more like Dread Pirate Roberts, where like you find out that Sid is not even Sid, you know what I mean? And the name's actually been passed down. The fact that this is first generation, and now I'm hmm. just going to be Sid, it's like, what would it matter? Why can't you be Clive? Is just as important as Sid at this point. He's yeah. the dominant. It's not like he's Ramu, you know what I, I mean? It's I, like I, you're still I, just as cool. You're still the prince. I had that exact same thought where I was wondering, yeah. was Sid a moniker? And that it's not that he, that Clive isn't the first one now yeah, to take it awesome. on. That mm. like I actually thought that that's where the arc was going to go was that later on down the line he was going to find that there was going to be some reveal about Sid, that Sid is not the person we thought he was at all, and that we we're going to find a way more information about his character at a point where we can't even ask him about it because he's yeah. gone. And I thought that would have been a really for. really interesting. Yeah, because I don't I think Clive. I don't think Clive needed to be held down by that i mean i get where they were going with it but i didn't think it was needed for him to what stay anonymous or like not let his clive identity be messed right with. because people at the because when you're at the hideout they're constantly calling him hey clive hey sid hey clive i'm like well, which one is it like either everyone yeah. knows he's clive or everyone thinks he's sid so yeah i think i think it's a it's a concept that's kind of cool on paper that they didn't fully commit to executing i yeah i think they were trying to go for like a batman thing with that like like Sid like, is a so superhero the, name. Yeah, so like the original Sid was uh, Bruce Wayne Batman, and now he's passing on to like the next Batman, and like Batman could be anybody sort of concept. Sure. Or Spider Man, I suppose, actually makes more sense because there's actually multiple Spider Mans. But yeah, <laughs> you saying Clive is the Miles Morales of <laughs> Final Fantasy sixteen? Is that what you're saying, Eric? <laughs> could we go and say more, so? You know he's more like the Miguel O'Hara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is actually, yeah. Um, but I love the sequence at Phoenix Gate where, and it's one of the first like proper relevant boss fights. And it's where he sort of fights himself, essentially. He fights like his own inner demons manifested as like a fiery version of himself. And that's when you get like the two Ifrits kind of clashing against each other. And then he accepts yeah, that, looks sick too. that I am mm. Ifrit. I thought that was like great. I also was like shocked because in... I wasn't like keeping track of how many hours I was in. And like at that point I was like, geez, I must be near the end of this game. 
I was like, this feels like it's all ramping up, you know? <laughs> like, gotcha. Little did I know. <laughs> we hadn't even left the game. Midgar yet. Um, <laughs> that's what it felt like a little bit. But, um, yeah, what, what did you guys think of, like, Ifrit's abilities and the way Ifrit is utilized in the story? Uh, I thought Ifrit was awesome. One of the things I was I was trying to think about was, it's funny because Ifrit's usually, like, a starting summon. He's usually, like, I wouldn't say the weakest by any means, but like, usually there's an order of, like, Ifrit, Shiva, you know, Bahamut's mm. kind of at the end where yeah. they really put Ifrit, like, front and center. is like, you know, this is the, the uh, what would you call him, the seventh dominant or whatever, like the, like the unofficial dominant. So it really makes Ifrit yeah. really special, which I really like that they're like, okay, cool. Phoenix is generally supposed to be the fire Ifrit or the fire dominant, but now there's a new one in town. And, I, and dude, his look was so awesome. I thought Ifrit always looked the coolest in, um, in FF10. But I'd oh, say yeah, that yeah, FF16 yeah, version yeah. is probably now the the de facto universal look for Ifrit. Or do, you say, of, do you guys say do you guys say Ifrit or Ifrit? I, we say Ifrit. I, Ifrit. Okay. I think we're I, wrong. I I interchange <laughs> it. I don't know what the answer is. Because <laughs> as a kid, those... when you saw it I, and you didn't, they weren't speaking. I just saw I F R I T Ifrit. Yeah. Right. I think it, it's I think it's Ifrit. Based Ifrit? on I think so, but I I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> But I think, yeah. like, based on because I think it's an Arabic name, so I think it's uh, there's probably something in the pronunciation. Yeah, but I think in but... Arabic it's E F or E E T, so oh, that's so why I think they're saying Ifrit. Ifrit. Yeah, they're shooting themselves in the foot on that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know what? We, uh, we all know who we mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so yeah. I, I thought he looked cool. I thought his powers were awesome. I thought the whole story dynamic was was cool. That he's a bigger part of it when usually he's the a lesser summon. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I was completely impressed with what they did and how they incorporated them into the game being like detrimental. Yeah, yeah. No, it was really, really cool. I I didn't fully understand um even when finishing it. Cause like I like the idea of that they're all puzzled that who's this like what's this second icon of fire? Like there shouldn't be a second icon of fire. It doesn't make sense. Like this is a an outlier. And but by the end of it, I actually don't know why there was. I I I, I know he's <laughs> right. So I know Clive. And while we're on Clive, and this is like a huge part of the story, he's Muthos. He's sort of uh, uh, a messianic figure type thing created for the purposes of like becoming the strongest vessel for the villain, who we won't go into right now because we're saving that for part two. So I get his role, but I don't know why. I don't actually know where Ifrit comes into it. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost kind of pondering on the idea because they never really get into Le Leviathan, the loss, the lost. Right, maybe yeah. he's, maybe he kind of takes the spot again. And because the brothers were synced, it had to be a fire um, uh, oh. icon. I'm that's the only thing I could kind of think. I'm like, maybe he takes yeah. up the circle and because they're linked, he it's just the same element. But yeah, again, yeah. they never really told us why Leviathan's missing or, or if he's actually missing or things like that. That was really the only kind of like, you know, fan theory I kind of came up with because I never really looked into that, but I'm with you. Like, why why is he there? Yeah, yeah. Like, why, could, why couldn't it have been a new element that you guys added or something like that? Like right. an arc icon like the, or something like that? That's my point. Like, it's like, it's not that, I mean, I think it's cool that it's Ifrit. Like, I'm I'm all for it. But I, in the in terms of, like, the logic of it, if Ifrit is sort of a, if Ifrit is sort of the being of Muthos and he has the ability of taking all of the abilities, why does it start as fire? And maybe you're right. Maybe it's just because he already has the blessing of Phoenix, so he already ignites with fire. That's but, I mean, that's the only thing I was pondering. But like I mean, maybe, yeah. or or is there something to be said as well? There was like a a graphic towards the end of the game, or like an image on the walls 
that suggests that Ifrit and Phoenix were once one being? Are they two pieces? Oh of yeah, because they being? they can do that combination, and then he gets the wings and flying around. Yeah, yeah that I mean yeah. that might be something. So yeah, they... I, it it could be to do with their thinking. Might have been to do with the fact that fire is synonymous with destruction and at times with rebirth. So literally for the right. plan to work. Now, yeah, so it was two once two beings split one now into rebirth, one now into destruction. Yeah, like and that's, so that's let's cool. go with that. <laughs> that that's, I think he's right. <laughs> but although, if anyone knows differently, whoever's li- like, if you're listening and you know differently, like, get in touch and let us know. Like, if if there's something that we missed along the way and you you have it like sussed out as to why Ifrit is a dominant of fire, do let us know. Or, or I should say, a second dominant of fire. It's not surprising that there's a dominant of fire, but why is there a second one? Why specifically yeah. fire? Um, but we mentioned that Clive takes on the mantle of Sid, right? Which leads us on to our boy, Sid, who is the dominant of Ramu. What is his full name? It's Sidolphus? Sidolphus. Like it's, not, like it's not even Sid. It's like, it's like Sidolphus or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Telemon. Yeah. I, I'm going to put it out there, right? I'm going to put it out there. And I am I'm a big, big Final Fantasy fan. Love Final Fantasy VII and the Sid in that game. But I, I'm going to put this out there. I think... Sid in Final Fantasy 16 might be the best Sid in the entire series. Dude, he might be cooler than Clive. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he was so awesome, man. And can we go on record saying that right now? Is it Ralph Innocent? Innocent? Right, um, yeah, some of us. Yeah. Him doing the voice. Fucking amazing. He's gonna win. He's gonna win best voice acting <laughs> at, at the Game Awards. For the, for the Game Awards. Because he did cool. that, and then and he also did what Diablo Four. Uh, he was the, I forget the name in that one, but dude, right. that voice is just jaw-droppingly just uh. it's so good and i remember like in all the promos i was like yeah i'm not sure you know like in all the trailers like yeah i'm not really sure about that guy he looks generic i don't really get his voice it's you kind of have to see the character in context though i think yeah and then you're like okay i like this guy in the early trailers he's like i think he's I think you're getting introduced to the hideout and he's kind of like this guy walking you around i'm like that has nothing to do with what sid actually is the party plays how badass he actually is i just want to know how is he what is he smoking and where is he always pulling it out of he's always got like a joint on him and i'm just like all right, <laughs> all right. turns out none of this is actually happening and he is hallucinating the <laughs> <Yes>. whole game <laughs> he's waking up in final fantasy 17 <laughs> and he's like what i i love um it's a small detail but it just it kind of plays into the themes of the world and how grounded they tried to make the world, even though it's very heavily rooted in magic. Like, I love that he takes out, like, a little crystal to light his, you know, cigar awesome. or his joint or whatever he's smoking. <laughs> like, um, I just think that's a really cool detail that they put into this game. But yeah, Sid is a fucking cool character. Um, he reminded me a little bit of... Uh, I got Metal Gear Solid vibes from this character. Oh, I can see a little bit. I got, of that. I got a bit of a big boss wants to create outer heaven, where all the soldiers can live free from the constraints of the governments. That's that's <laughs> yeah. what I or or and then I suppose the other the other comparison I guess is X Men, right? Yeah, uh, wait, as as in, is he Xavier or is he yeah, Magneto? Or Ma- or Magneto. <laughs> yeah. Where are you going with this? I I, I don't know which one he is, <laughs> but just in that he obviously wants to create a haven for the branded and create mm. a world in which they can live freely yeah but why yeah. do you think it lands on him though is it just because once upon a time he was on the other side and now he's kind of seen the root of the evil 
It's like why like where's the other people? I get that he's collecting everybody, but like mm. where are the other like there's to me there should have been more generals with Sid instead of just like the I mean there's a few key, key people at the hideout, but it's like I feel like there should have been a couple more. Obviously, he was the leader because he was the dominant, but it's like where were the other guys that were trying to not live under this rule? Especially when these all these kingdoms are dealing with different shit. Some of them are are army powerhouses, the other ones are like religious zealots. It's like there's gotta be a couple more people from each of these pieces of land that want to do something similar to what Sid was doing outside of the, the core group you get once Clive starts getting the ball rolling. It's a fair point. I wonder if there's like, uh, like in the mythology and I imagine, I, th- I feel like this game is going to get DLC of some kind, right? Like, well, man, they said people... they, they said it wasn't, but I, I mean, I, I feel like people, kind of money. Yeah. I feel like people will call out for like more of this. What world. do you think it'd be? A, dude, I was thinking, do you think it'd be prequel stuff? Cause I'd like to see young Sid with a, uh, uh, what's the chick's name that we're gonna talk about? Uh, oh, uh, Benedicta. Um, Benedicta. Yeah, yeah I like to bit. see. I like to see that next, story. Actually. That'd be good. Yeah. I think prequel stuff is probably the best way to do it for this game, actually, because I, with, with, with how it ends, I feel like, like, because if you do anything that's sort of set uh, with Clive, then it kind of has to be a oh, and by the way, this happened before any of this. Like this yeah. happens somewhere along the way. Like yeah, it's like the, here's a thing he the, did in that time, in that couple year time gap. Yeah, it'd be a bit yeah, interjected. Like, like oh, and I was like, I okay, mean, but how come that was they, never mentioned? <laughs> unless they Phoenix resurrect them. I mean, we never right? Know I mean, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Or or whatever. Like maybe the ending isn't as clear as it's suggested either. Like maybe it's not. Hmm. Maybe that's not actually what happened. But uh, could do one on Leviathan. Actually. Well, could do yeah. if you're doing a prequel, you could do a prequel called Leviathan the Lost, and you play as Leviathan and That'd see what happened. Awesome! I yeah. I think that would be amazing. But I do think having Sid involved in there somewhere and explaining mm. a little bit more of his backstory would be great because, like, he is for how little he's actually in the game. He's like one of the big talking points of the game. Yeah. Well, did they ever mention? And maybe I missed it. Who his who the mother of his daughter is? I don't know. I don't mm, because yeah. she just kind of popped up out of nowhere and i thought it was i'm like okay well where's this coming from and what's the point yeah, and then yeah they yeah. don't really get into that relationship at all and i'm like okay i mean it was cool when he was leaving her these things behind and it's cool that her and clive kind of got this relationship going as like kind of like he's not like, kind of mentoring her and helping out but it's like well where like where did this come from yeah yeah mm. what, what did you guys think of mid as sort of an extension of sid <laughs> I, I don't know. She's cool, I guess, but I just thought it was kind of useless. I mean, it, that that character could have been anybody else. So I don't know why it was made. That's what I'm saying. I didn't get why it had to be Sid's kid. If you're not even going to tell me what their relationship was, that could have been any engineer that, you know, arrived yeah, at the hideout I, that you helped with. I don't know why it had to particularly be related to him. Sure. I think yeah. if not, that I'm, had, not that I'm mad at it, but I just didn't get it. Yeah. I, guess I think so, if yeah. they had I had mid as a like much younger in the first hideout, that yeah. hideout gets destroyed. Mid goes off to study, yeah, yeah. and that, then yeah. comes back much older. And I think then the the you kind because I I was saying like she comes in, she's all joyful and hopping around. I'm like, who the hell is this person? Yeah, who are you? This is? <laughs> I I think that would have um, not only sold the arc a little bit better, but it also would have made the time jump feel like an actual time jump because not much changes in the five years except that you there's a new hideout built. But if you go around mm. the world, like nothing has changed. Like everything yeah. is still exactly as it was. So having a character who physically ages hmm. in that kind of time, that actually would have not only helped the character, but also just helped the feeling of, oh, right, time has passed. 
Yeah, yeah it would have been cool done. if you like saw her like kind of hiding in Sid's room or something. And then when it was all going down, you know, she's scared and someone like kind of saves her and you kind of see this girl, you're like, oh, who's that? And then the yeah, time yeah. jump and you're yeah. like, oh, that was the girl that did whatever. And it's like, but yeah, for yeah. her to just come skipping in there, I was just like, uh, this feels way forced and I yeah. was I didn't care for it. Yeah, I, I think as well they could have done if they had her as a kid, you could have then had an interaction between Sid and Mid, which yeah. would have been nice that as well. Because sense. then the, the <laughs> loss would have been more because that moment when Sid dies is a, is a great moment. It's but I also forgot really he, I really forgot he had a kid because I think he does mention it once, but I forgot he has a kid. And I think if you had that mm. interaction as well, it would solidify that there's a lot more being lost here than just Sid. Right. Like just a friend or a mentor. I found his death very impactful and surprising, genuinely surprising, because I, I thought he was going to stick around a lot longer. So I really didn't mm. like see it coming. I mean, it's not surprising that the mentor figure dies like that happens in, you know, you name it, media. Yeah. <laughs> the mentor dying is not surprising. Uh, but hey, to die one. so early in the story, um, at a point where you think you're building up to something, is like this story is only starting. This is actually, you've just finished the tutorial, actually. You know, this story <laughs> is only beginning um, in what is a very pivotal cutscene that sets up the rest of the game. Obviously, introducing the villain and revealing Joshua is still around. And like, lo- so much happens around the time where Sid dies. Um, but I, he also gets bonus points for me because I am a big fan of Ramu. Ramu oh, is. But he's been always one of my favorites. Yeah, he's great. He's I was gonna ask you guys. Now that you bring that up, when when you guys were doing the combat, what what three um, icons did you guys have locked in? Because I was always using uh, Phoenix and uh, Ramu. Oh, so like by the time you have them all, which three? Yeah, yeah. What what elements were you guys using for your most? Uh, hundred percent Ramu. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just, dude, that, that, dude, those electrical attacks were just so. Anytime, awesome. I... lightning abilities, like in general, like just mm-hmm. all the time, wherever I can. Because even like playing like seven remake uh i'd always put the the lightning elemental on tifa and suddenly she, every punch she does is just unbelievable you know so wherever i can yeah. put lightning into my characters that's what i do yeah um, as soon as that one opened up i was like maxed out and i i definitely use that one throughout the whole game as soon as i had it so i think by the end i was using ramu shiva and i, I used those two the most i think i think phoenix as well uh, yeah, that fire that fire attack that he does, dude, was just why that AOE thing that he did was yeah. just wiping people out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. sick. Yeah. Eric, which I, tree were you using? Uh yeah, Phoenix throughout the whole thing. Um I tried to use some of Ifrit's abilities. I didn't really like them. I preferred Phoenix's, especially that that one where you are just doing like a spin attack or just fucking launching people with your feather. Yeah, that was the best. Um uh Ramu for a good while. Yeah. Uh Titan for a good while, but by the time I had all of them it was uh phoenix shiva and odin oh nice. yeah okay, i did okay yeah, i did phoenix ramu and then i did a split between because i love that you could split the abilities at the end yes you could put certain people yeah. so I, at the end i did titan with uh shiva with uh i think i was using her ice age fury i use that a lot hmm. uh i i think i mixed yeah. in bahamut's um is it called giga flare or mega flare yeah the, it's the ability where you're like he just gets the wings. You float around for a bit, dodge the attacks, and build up your meter. And then it just rains hell down on. And I found that very useful when there was like lots of enemies on screen, to like just build that up and then wipe them out. Um, Excellent. But yeah, 
Anything else we want to say on Sid before we move on to uh, someone that you didn't mention, Craig, which was Benedicta? Uh, I don't got nothing else on Sid. If he, if he did his part perfectly well. I'd arguably say, I mean, he did die, but it's like, he's going to be the most memorable character. I mean, outside of Clive himself, yeah. like I, I think Sid almost shadowed him in my opinion or overshadowed him because he was, he was just so cool. Like you're saying that like, he's these metal gear vibes and he's just awesome to listen to every scene he was in. You're just like, all right, what's Sid going to, what's he going to say? He's so, oh, yeah. he's I so yeah. charismatic and, and charming. And, but I also, there's a scene and it's, it's one of my favorite scenes in the game early on. And it's kind of just sums up his attitude, which is like, like he's so helpful to Clive when Clive is so clearly lost. And there's the scene where they, they save Gav at the end at the edge of like a waterfall, right? And like he Gav was literally hanging off and Clive gets him up. And at this point, Clive is convinced that he that he killed Joshua and he doesn't know what to make of it. And uh Sid kind of gives a bit of hope to him by saying, Look, I saw another fire guy too. It wasn't like you weren't dreaming it, I saw him. So you gotta go figure out who he is. Right, you promised your brother you'd find your brother's killer, so go find him. And if he didn't kill him, kill yourself. <laughs> but he says it so nonchalantly and just like gives him at this point where Clive is hopeless, gives him a sense of purpose. Like you owe it to yourself now to find out: Did you really do it, or mm. is there more to this? You know, right? And I just thought like that's such a what a great character. So like perfect man, perfect character. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they, they killed him off the right point. They killed him off at a point where you don't want him to die. So now you miss him and you love you love him. You know, the, the, he yeah, didn't yeah. get to a point where he, he lost his purpose or, or, you know, kind of became boring or, or pushed to the side. So they took him out at the right point as well. And he leaves that impact for the rest of the game. Yeah, especially because you almost thought he died like a couple other times. There's a few times when he gets smacked around and you're like, oh, is this it? And then <laughs> yeah, he yeah. keeps going. You're like, okay, cool. He's got He's got a little more gas yeah. in the tank. Well, speaking of characters getting killed off pretty early, <laughs> Benedicta, who also, I think, makes quite an impact, even though she's not in a huge portion of the game, but her character has an important arc to play on even other characters. Because, mm. like, so even when she does leave the story, her death becomes the motivation of other characters like Kupka and stuff, you know? So... Mm -hmm. What do we think of Benedicta, who is the dominant of Garuda? Well, she's that... almost oh, yeah, the ahead, opposite to, to Sid. Because Sid is calm and charismatic and composed, and he's fighting for a good purpose. And when he dies, he ins his death inspires people to do good. But when Benedicta is fucking crazy, and she's <laughs> murdering everybody, and she loves torture and torment, and... Yep. When she dies, she inspires more torment and more death and more destruction. So she's almost the, the opposite. So there's that. And they actually had a thing as well, that nice little history moment. So that she was very cool and likes it. I'm a little bit like, oh, I wish she was in it more. But yeah, also they, they did take her at the right time because then she doesn't get ruined. Yeah, yeah. she's got a really nice scene um, when they're doing the... Uh, in the very beginning of the game when that... Um, that battle with all the soldiers is going on and she's kind of dominating the war room and mm. kind of throwing people back and forth. She was, I thought she was a perfect entry villain. Cause you, you knew she wasn't going to be the end boss or the last, you know, two bosses, but yeah. she was perfect. The whole, her whole motivation, like you were saying, she was kind of the yin to his yang uh, with mm. Sid. And I thought it was, it was perfect because when she talks about her ideology, she's thinking she's 100% right. She's like, Sid, why this is your last chance. Come back with us 
so we can do it this way. And Sid at this point, she's like, dude, you are so fucking lost and and down this rabbit hole with uh, with these other uh, ideas that you have going on and this, this war that's happening that you can't even see that you're lost. And at the end, um, you know, when she loses her her um, her icon, and you can just see how that instantly just snaps her. And she's like, I don't want to be powerless. The whole goal was to never feel weak ever again. And then when she senses that again, it was just like, I don't say heartbreaking because like you don't have love for her, but mm. you can see mm. this this very scared little girl who just yeah. had her whole fucking you know her world ripped out from her when Clive because he's the that's the first one you you realize you can pull power from right yeah you, you grab yeah. hers so not only did was she was she important to Clive's understanding and bringing on the mythos but you just see this whole person's reality just fade before them and it was it was pretty dark at first to realize that that was even a possibility yeah mm. yeah yeah now, I absolutely like as kind of it's like she's a femme fatale right and she's kind of very vile, yes. vile and you know manipulative in the beginning and, and hot as fuck <laughs> and, and very hot but i absolutely <laughs> empathized with her in that moment in the forest where she felt dude that was that was depressing powerless man. Mm. and i was like this is this one sequence is directed so incredibly well and at a point where a couple of guys like kill the people around her and there's nothing she can do and they're nobodies. They're not important. They're not like, like in that moment, if she didn't get her power back and go kind of AWOL and crazy, if she had died in that moment, she would have been killed by random enemy number two in the forest and no one yeah. would ever have found her body. Like it would have been a meaningless, cruel death that's like... Forgotten. This, yeah. Hmm. And so she had gone from like sort of a, a God style character who had so much power to suddenly being terrified and i thought it was like perfect it spoke to like her greatest fear in life which was like because I, I i felt like as i because it often like hints at things like you know you once believed what i believed like you weren't always like this and i feel like half of her character is a facade as a survival technique like that she just does what she can to stay on top and stay in power keep the right people happy so that she can live a comfortable life I'm not sure she fully believes the actions she's taking. But, but she's but she was also willing to die for the cause. You know what I mean? It wasn't just to like it wasn't like the queen with Clive, like Clive's mom. It wasn't just hey, I'm gonna keep fucking people for power and become right. and be comfy and, and raise my heir. She's willing to go out on the battlefield and handle it because she knew she was capable. And then yeah, once she yeah. loses all that, she's just like when her 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 right hand guy has to grab her and get her out of there. You know, what I mean, she was she didn't even have the will to like walk, and I'm like, dude, mm. this she lost it all and got hit hard. Yeah, so I think out of everybody, man, I think she, I mean, maybe deservingly so, but I think she got it the worst. Yeah, yeah. And then when yeah. she does get that power boost and go crazy, dude, I that was awesome. She went super safe. That hard. <laughs> it's so good. You're walking through the winds. It's nuts. You finally turn into Ifrit for like the first time. And that might be get... one of my favorite parts of the game, actually. I think it's great. I think like. It's one of the big highlights of the game. And even like, I love that first fight. Um, as in the first, I I know the beginning of the game, you have Phoenix and Ifrit, but like this was the first proper like one-on-one yeah. icon battle between Ifrit and Garuda. Um, Garuda, that's what I was looking up. I'm like, I always forget that her icon's name, so I had to look it up. Yeah, because it's, yeah. it's not one of the more popular like summons in Final Fantasy lore, I guess, but... Yeah, um, it, I was, a lot of people were saying, and I, I was reading these things like, like, where does Garuda even come from? And I, I'm not really familiar with her because I never played like FF3 and 4 a lot to remember it. But I guess Garuda is in a couple of Final Fantasies, right? Somewhere he, along the way. I don't know where, in, actually. 
14. I, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you what game it's in. She's in 14. And is that the she, MMO? That's the MMO yeah. one. And I noticed she also, with the Royal Edition of 15, there's like a, a secret mission you get to do, which oh, somehow cool. ties into 14, and then you get Garuda by the end of it. And oh. So I'm assuming Garuda is in a few other ones as well. Um, I'd imagine you'd have to be because it'd be. I mean, yeah. it'd be kind of cool if they made up a new a new summon for the game, which mm. I thought Garuda yeah. was. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool that they're all in the lore of Final Fantasy yeah. history. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Probably the best. Well, I mean, I've only seen one other design for Garuda that was from 15. But out of the two I've seen, it's the best design for Garuda. <laughs> That's a really cool character. I have to say though, in terms of like the abilities, I only used Garuda up until. I had you other abilities to replace it, and I never <laughs> went back. <laughs> but I'd love to know. She did like a thorn whip or something like that. And you could like yeah, she... bring drag stuff to you, couldn't you? And yeah. then you could um, there was like the rapid claw attack and stuff. But yeah, I don't I know. I'd, I'd love to hear from someone. Like if there's someone who's like, no, Garuda was my icon the whole way through. Like I'd love to talk to that person. <laughs> yeah, well, see, is. I think I, I feel like Garuda's abilities are more for. Um, I don't want to say an advanced player, but like if you're going to compare it to Devil May Cry, like sure. somebody that's good at just doing constant combos, mm. I feel like her power is made to do those those quick da 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 da. Where my play style, like, and I think yours as well, is doing like the electric bolts, the fire bolts. Where hers, I think, is a very more melee style. So if you are into yeah, that yeah. that faster type of com- that combat, that's what she would be. But I just wasn't playing like that. I was more like blasted with magic, stay in the back, shoot fireballs and stuff. So, but yeah, I could see her being a really cool one it, just, it wasn't for me yeah I think, yeah, yeah yeah i think her attacks especially that really fast clawing one is for uh building up that kind of stagger bar yeah so you're, oh, yeah, you yeah, st- yeah. you'd stagger them a garuda and then you would swap to let's say titan to do all the damage or something i think that's yeah. what they were thinking but yeah i'm more like no i want to do damage fuck that yeah. stagger thing so give, yeah. me, give me all that fire and the rocks and anything else but garuda <laughs> she is one of the uh, stronger female characters in the game I would say but another very prominent female character in Final Fantasy 16 is of course Jill who is the awesome dominant character. of Shiva one of your longtime companions Clive's childhood friend so what do we think of Shiva or Jill I should say I'm going to come to you first Craig because you, you, you interjected already with she's an awesome character tell us yeah, why Um. well I was reading a bunch of things and people were like I forget what the comment was, but they were like, oh, what another standard, typical second lead female that has to follow the man? And I don't want to get into politics or anything like that with it, but I was completely on the opposite with that. I'm like, dude, Jill is so awesome. When you first meet her as a kid, right? She's very heartwarming. And and is she a ward? I was kind of, I forget Mm. why she's even in this castle and why she's best friends with the princes. Yeah, yeah. her status... I mean, yeah, what was, what was it? She's not. She's not from that nation, is she? She's been adopted no, and looked she's after. From but she's, the north. She's just right. Okay. Yeah. There was like and a I'm, war, I think, a long time ago with her nation, but they took her. And right. in other kingdoms, she's like they, Theon Greyjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. And she's took, Theon Greyjoy. But they actually like looked after her. They took her in and treated her as one of their own, as opposed. Hey, so to, did like, so did so did Ned Stark. <laughs> right. But, yeah. Exactly. We also yeah, have exactly. him. Yeah. But yeah. So Jill, when she keeps going, and then you find out later, because um, I think Clive thought she might have been dead or something like that but or she definitely didn't know he was still alive and then you realize because I think this is when you get more introduced to the um I forget what country they're from but the religious zealots and you find out that they think of these things as abominations and but uh, I believe the first battle is with her and Titan and you mm. see how huge Titan is and how petite and delicate um Shiva is but she still does a nice battle scene 
And then at the end, when it's done, they've got her like chained up and walking around with her and, and Clive, you know, that doesn't sit right with them and he wants to save her and you, and you find out that it's her. And you can tell as the player, that looks like an older version of Jill yeah. when I met right, her. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So yeah. once you saw that, you're like, oh shit, she's a dominant. She's got an icon. I got to get her the hell out of here. Then you do that badass battle uh, to get her out of that um, kind of uh, canyon that you're in. And then her story goes on from there. And so the introduction to Jill as um, a dominant, I thought that was even a cool thing that you're going, well, why, why is Titan a, a king? Why is he in the war room? But Shiva is chained and essentially tortured, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So her, her, her beginning, her beginning arch of her story for me was like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Because no other dominant is like that. No other dominant is getting their fucking their ass beat and tortured. Where I'm like, but why is she? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I think that that then just through her and Titan, even does that that awesome battle sequence. That was so them. badass. She, so yeah, Titan's massive. He's a fucking moving mountain, crushing people with every step. Shiva is smaller than him, but still standing her own because she's fucking powerful out of it. And with that as well, you are seeing you are introduced to how different societies treat each other. So you have like the the Dalmechian Republic call upon Titan as he's the nuke. All right, we're going to use him. We're going to use this big, powerful weapon. And he kind of has, like, leverage with them because he knows he's so powerful. And then, yes, with the Iron Kingdom, she's chained. And she's just used as, like, yeah, you go out and use your power. Okay, we're done. Chain you, beat you, and stuff. And so it is cool in that regard. And then seeing her arc, you have her freed. She's quite quiet. She's quite, like, unsure of herself. And then she gains her strength again. Yes, yes. And then leads you into the Iron Kingdom temple of the of that crystal and just freaking lays waste to everybody. Oh, just dude, when she stands yeah, when she stands up to the what was he, the not a patriarch, like the high priest or whatever. Yeah. And mm. she gives her, her words on my like, dude, you get it, girl. That's why I didn't get anybody's conversation when they were saying she wasn't a powerful girl. Obviously, we like Benedicta as being a very outspoken, strong girl mm, woman. Yes. But I'm like, I'm like that scene alone is a like you were saying, Eric, is a completely pivotal point of mm. her completely finding her confidence and becoming one of the star characters. So I, I absolutely love Jill. But there's even there's like even the fact that uh, the amount that she withdrew for the amount of years she spent with the Iron Kingdom, that strength alone to have kept going and then still to find the strength to face her oppressors like that's well yeah because when you go back to that castle and she's Mm. crawling through and she knows all the ways and she's meeting up with the maids and she she meets up with the one person that kind of remembers her she's like Mm. you know i love you sister we'll 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 see each other again eventually and i'm like so yes that's that's probably what a decade of her going through that Mm. yeah so yeah i love jill she's to me she's she was the teeth of the game and and for me a favorite that's why i used her then when i got her dominant power i was like right gotta use shiva because she's fucking awesome and she's such a an important character to clive as well so it just felt natural for clive yeah to hold on to that power as well yeah so that that's why then i held on yeah, she was definitely like a motivation for him for mm, sure absolutely plus shiva is like just one of the og summons you know like she's just shiva's badass you can't yeah, do cool final fantasy her. without shiva you know what i mean no. you just can't um i love the role jill plays in the story i love her intro as you said, is fucking amazing. And like the battle between her and Titan. The fact that the zealots see her as an abomination, but are willing to kill children in order to keep her in line. And they <laughs> yeah, don't, they don't see like the hypocrisy of their actions. Like there's, 
you could go on for ages just even thinking about that as a theme on its own. And that's mm. only a little subplot of the game. But like that on its, own, on its own is like, like what is wrong with these people? You know what I mean? And they're still using the crystal, but they also think anyone who's born innately able to is a monster. You know, like it's so wild um, the mm. way they think. It's an interesting contradiction. I think where some of the criticisms come from for Jill is, and this is not to bash the voice actor, but I think because the voice actor has such a delicate voice, right? I think people see that as weakness. Now, I don't. but I, Because I also think that people would see a character like Yuna Who's a very, I was just, right? just going to bring up Yuna, man. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah, and Yuna, Yuna is one of the strongest Final Fantasy characters, video game characters, ever. Yeah, with the softest ever. voice. Right? Mm. Her Hi. strength is... Yeah, right. Like, she's really soft-spoken. She's really nice all the time. She's not like a Tomb Raider character who does flips and... Well, let's play 10-2. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, at the heart of her, she's just a, a really good person. And that's her strength. And I feel like a lot of people think that Jill is not a strong female because, yeah, she's not like Benedicta, where she's, like, really outspoken and super confident and, like, would kill anyone in an instant kind of thing. It's like, because that's not who Jill is. Jill is a good person. She or has how she's been raised for the last 10 years. You know what I mean? Mm, she, yeah. can't, she can't be outspoken. So it's like, where are you going to find your inner voice if you can't talk? Yeah. yeah. And she... she has like allowed herself because she could kill those guys in an instant. She has allowed herself to be a slave to protect innocent children. Like that's self-sacrifice is what that is. Like, so she's an incredibly strong character. I do think that after the iron kingdom sequence, she falls out of the story a little bit. Like she's still there, but she doesn't get as many great, like, she doesn't get as much to do after that point, which is kind of a shame, but she's not a weak character. <laughs> By any means. I By mean, any yeah. means. Absolutely yeah. not. Um, I don't know if any of the characters are inherently weak characters. Um, but one character who's definitely not is Kupka. Oh. Who uh, we Hugo. mentioned. Well, Hugo, we mentioned. Hugo! <laughs> We mentioned because Shiva fights Titan, right? So the big boy, Kupka. And we were saying as well, Benedicta plays a big role in the story. And it's that when she's dead, you know, his whole quest becomes a quest for revenge. I was very much reminded of, I don't know. Have you ever watched um, the CW show Arrow? Oh, I love, I, I watched Arrow for a long time. I did the whole right. Arrow verse for as long I, as I, I could. Okay. Yeah, I taught, you, I taught you might, right? Yeah. He reminded me of Deathstroke. Season two, Deathstroke. Oh, played by Manu Bennett. Yeah, yeah. He, he reminded me of, you took my love from me, so yeah. I'm going to make your world suffer. Yep. That's what he reminded me of. He reminded me of, like, a really good Arrowverse villain. <laughs> well, I just, my, I have a question of going, because he is so enthralled with Benedicta, and his motivation is, is 100% driven by the loss of her. But when, when did she ever have to, who was she with? Because it wasn't, isn't she with him and the uh, Barnabas, or or was that, or was that the other, uh, is that the villain looking? I've, yeah, like I have a theory. That? I wasn't sure I, exactly where that was. Yeah, I think in the beginning, you're obviously led to believe that she is playing around with lots of different people, including Barnabas. 
But I think by the there's another key sequence of Barnabas where, um, you know, he's he's faced with Ultima, and Ultima right. is taking very different forms in the one cutscene. One right, of them right. being Benedicta. That actually, I think that gives a, shines a bit of light on the scene earlier in that, no, she wasn't with Barnabas at all. Okay, and that's what I was thinking. So, but okay, but so when are these two ever together? I mean, aren't they ruling two different nations that are? I mean, like Barnabas is is over here, isn't she fighting over here? So, like, when his whole plan is like, I need this to be my future queen. I was yeah. just it looked to me, me more like it was a hookup that they they were even trying to you know kiss behind closed doors. So it didn't seem like this relationship was ever public. So I was just curious about right. it was so d- important to him. It's a good point. Cause clearly, because clearly he could have anybody he wanted. But hmm. this was the girl, the woman in his life that he was infatuated well, with. Well, maybe it was the, the case of the fact he could have any woman he wanted and he couldn't have Benedicta. Right. So that made it, it was like that kind of like um, the forbidden fruit, didn't... right? Forbidden fruit. Thank you. And so maybe that's why he wanted her. But that was more. it, though. He did have her. They were making out. They were hooking up. So it wasn't like they just couldn't get married. I mean, yeah. he, why are they why are they going behind guards' backs in hallways? To, for yeah. her to jump on him and start talking to him. And it almost seemed like she was using him, but he was just so into it that he was just willing to die for her, I guess. Are we all Probably. on the same page that, like, he was way more into her than she was into him? Very. Yeah. If the role was reversed and he was the one that died and someone sent his head in a box to her, do like, we at all believe she would, like, <laughs> tear the world down in his name? No, for the next no, five no. years, absolutely yeah. not. She probably <laughs> would have, yeah, she probably would have asked, "Why are you bringing me this head in the box?" Yeah, yeah. She's like, <laughs> "Oh, <laughs> look, yeah. Oh, it was one of my hookups." <laughs> yeah, because she, she's, she's into the ideology and and the future of the realm. Where he was, I've, I'm a self-made mm. millionaire. You know, because he was, wasn't he a peasant that turned into like this high noble? You know what I mean? And he's like, "This is just my final goal: marry her and then rule." Where well, I think when he. Just, when he realized the power that he had being the dominant of Titan, he realized as well then that he had political leverage. Yeah, which was awesome. Like, I mm. can like, I could level this place. Like so yeah. like just give me what I want. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and like you can even see like the characters around that table, even at the beginning and the meeting, they're like they're real tiptoeing around him. You know, they're really trying to keep him in check. Like there's the the older dude with the gray beard. I can't remember. His oh, name. dude. Yeah. Like he he's clearly supposed to be the leader, but there's nothing about him to suggest he's in charge. Like it felt like uh, you know, like the Dark Knight Rises where Bane, yes. Bane, Bane is supposed to be working for uh, Mister Daggett, and he puts the hand on his shoulder and is like, "Do you feel in charge?" You know. Yeah. Kupka is yeah. like Bane. You know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I and it's cool because I I mean, there's there's certain ways you can go when you play this titan character it could have been the skinniest guy in the room that turns into the biggest you know icon right. i love that this guy was just a brick shit house, and he mm. was just he was huge regardless walking around and once and dude i would argue that that is my favorite fight of the game the whole battle between clive and uh hugo kepka kupko i did i always said his name right i kept saying like the moogles kupko <laughs> hey kupo uh, i, I, I thought i thought that was one of the best battle scenes and that was my favorite arc between him and the villain was him mm. and those two together it did feel like a, if this is a tv show that like there's a season focused on their rivalry right yeah yeah, yeah. definitely you know the deathstroke um, season yes that it's, it's the, pretty much yeah, yeah. It's the deathstroke <laughs> yeah. season and i do love when clive cut off uh, kupka's arms 
Dude, that was I that did not see that coming amazing. at all. <laughs> I was like, this is fantastic. You what just... do they strap on him like metal gauntlets and he's yeah. Yeah, trying to eat food and he can't <laughs> and, do yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But like cause that's his strength. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Benedicta, all her strength came from the fact that she had those powers. So she felt super confident and powerful. Kupka, it's his fists, like he will yeah. bash you to death. He's a physical being. And to have when his arms are taken from him, it's not just a physical ailment. It's actually like I have literally taken your strength away. The only mm. way for you to fight now is to turn into a dominant. But that yeah. doesn't always end well. So, because, you, you know, you'll level everything around you if you even just turn. Never mind. You know, so. Yeah, I think his, mm. his battle was one of the few that I think I actually died on. Because there was a point where when he, when he drops down and you guys drop below. And mm. he does that move that he kept doing that big AOE rock circle. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. There was, there, I think that was the first time like I died in the game. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> So for me, I thought he was one of the, not only one of the best boss fights, but one of the most interesting characters. Did you guys well, die at all? Who, who who beat your ass the most besides maybe the final boss? Well, t uh, t yeah, I died on Titan. Um, yeah, Titan for sure got me. And I was like, okay, I'm okay. Trying to, I'm trying to think who did I find the, the hardest or most difficult? Like who did I really get stuck with? Um, uh, and I can't remember. I think I might've died on Odin as well. I but I can't remember. Um, yeah, well, yeah. Odin was good. Odin was good shit. I think it was for me. I think I died twice on the Chuckabo that was able to call meteors. He's like a side hunt. <laughs> That's the guy that killed me twice. <laughs> that, there, there, that fucker. <laughs> there was one. Um, now that you bring that up, I was walking. The uh, is it like a goblin? The, the first hunt you run into when you're coming around like that prairie, and then there's like that goblin, and it pops up. It's like, oh, you can started doing hunts now i was like oh cool right. he did a move and he never did it again after i fought him but it just knocked me out in one hit and i was like i was like what is this so i was like oh these hunts are gonna be a pain in my ass and then i was like oh i think i just got hit by the wrong move at the wrong time <laughs> i have to ask you because I, I i'm asking everyone who's played the game have you found a tonberry in the game ah dude it's been so long i don't think i did i did not find a tonberry and i'm like i'm convinced there has to be one in there somewhere yeah, right? then, yeah, there sure has to be a Tonberry in there. I think there was a shop or something called the Something Tonberry in one of the uh, places. They kind oh, of so like it's an just Easter a reference? Okay. Yeah, I think it was an Easter egg. It's coming, it's coming into the DLC. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of the um, the the fight between Ifrit and Titan then? I've seen online the discussion. A lot of people, like, that's, like, their highlight of the game. In that, particular, for was, for sure. In particular for the music. People seem to, like, really fucking dig the music. Yeah, we haven't really hit the music at all, but you gotta remember, on all these fights, when you're fighting all these icons, they all have their own soundtrack. Hmm. Which is just, I mean, no pun intended, yep. just fire when you're listening to these things playing. And I would say that the Titan one, for sure, like, when you're running up his arms, because when he, because at the when they started moving forward, the icon started absorbing more of the crystals. So yeah. they almost got like an icon plus form. And mm. when you see the Titan turn into his and he just shoots up, I was like, dude, this is beyond epic. Like epic doesn't describe it. It was epic with the first time I fought him. This right, is right, uh, right. this is Titan epic. So um, yeah, I don't know. I absolutely love that battle. What about you, Eric? I loved, I loved the design. The big giant colossus. Because to me, it was like, Ifrit looked like Godzilla on fire to me. So I'm Godzilla running towards this like giant mountain with these like stone tentacles coming at me. And I thought so the design was really cool. And I thought the cinematic of the combat was really cool. 
But I was actually turned off by the music. I was a little bit like, oh, yeah, I thought the music came out of, out of no. It was like, if this is Death May Cry, this music is fucking brilliant. But with all the other more orchestral style music, I was like, oh, this is a really weird one. And so I was like, going through it, hearing this like more kind of Devil May Cry music, thinking to myself, it would almost be better if they had the Apocalypse Noctis music from 15, which is the music that you that's playing when you're fighting Titan. And I was like, right. that would almost work better here. But I still love the design and the cinematic of going from the different tentacle to tentacle and stuff. So I did like that. Yeah, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a mix of the two, um, where I think the fight cinematically is probably the best fight in the game, and it's one of the big high points. And this could have easily been a final boss fight in any other game, like you know, mm-hmm. like it's and this is only like the midpoint maybe, but like it's like fucking hell, this is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but I also yeah, I wasn't digging the music, but I know that me oh, and Eric, I, don't know. I loved it. <laughs> me and Eric are definitely in the. Uh, the minority there. Minority, like, here, I know yeah. People, lo- <laughs> but I, I did feel it was like strangely out of place. But supposedly, if you know the composer's work too, it helps better. There was, um, I was listening to the Easy Allies podcast, and the guys on that were saying that if you played Final Fantasy fourteen, and if you fought Titan in Final Fantasy fourteen, you would recognize that this music is a rendition. Ah, see, that's cool. I like that, that. music. Oh, so okay. with that bit of information, like that is cool. And I think if maybe if I'd played that. I wouldn't, I would just have that moment of going, oh, what a cool callback, you know? Mm. But well, it's, it's interesting that it seems that a lot of things are, are kind of linked to Final Fantasy 14. We did the right, the um, Gerudo, you know, you yep. said there was a side quest with her, mm. and now there's music for Titan, and it's it's weird because that's the one. I mean, it's got its, it's got its millions, of hundreds of millions of players, but it's like if you're a core FF player, that's kind of unless you're an MMO player, that's kind of the one most people skip, right? So right. If you're only so playing many, the yeah, yeah. so many connections that um, I think that's kind of interesting. I suppose with the developers behind it, it makes sense, right? Like it's the same team, so with that, yeah, I mean, right, it, may, I mean, it makes sense. Be... The more I, the more I think about it, it's just interesting yeah. that there's so many connections mm. between the two. But um, but this whole story, this whole story kicks off really with the death or supposed death of a poor young Joshua, <laughs> our poor baby Joshua, boy. our baby boy. Come on, what the hell? <laughs> Especially when he's being voice acted by uh, by the guy who does Hugo from uh, Plague Tale, you know? <laughs> Amicia. So um, ah, oh, I just I want to look after that guy. I don't want him to die. I want, I want to take care right, of this not boy. On, not on my watch. So what did we think of Joshua's character, who plays a much bigger role? Um, I mean, his role was pivotal from the get go, hmm. even if he didn't come back. But then he does come back, and he plays even more of a role. But yeah, what do you guys think of Joshua? I'll start with you, Craig. Um. I didn't care for the young version of him. Um, I, do you guys watch Dragon Prince at all on Netflix? Uh, yes. yes okay, actually, so I he, Prince. Yep. he did kind of remind me of, of the prince there where he's mm. young and he may he may not know exactly what he's doing, but he knows what he's there for. He does, mm. he does know his cause and his purpose and he's willing to do it, albeit scared, and he wants his brother to help him. So it kind of had a Dragon Prince vibe for me there. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't love the kid's... Um, like, I don't really care for that voice when he was doing it in the game as a young kid. But as soon as he gets older, mm-hmm. and I don't know about you guys, but I had this suspicion that the guy walking around in the hood was going to be Josh. And so yeah. I was like, oh, at so some I'm point, like, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's see where this is going. So as soon as he's revealed, and, he, and, then, and then he looks completely badass. I love the way Joshua looked. He's infected by, I don't I forget what the Crystal Curse is called, unless that's just what it's 
called, but he's got like he's spitting up the blood. Um, I love that yeah. he's got like his handmaiden that's constantly with him. I love that there's certain points of this game where like um Clive and I what's the uncle's name when he gets the ship? Byron. Oh, oh Byron, Byron. and, and yeah. you guys go to that desert town and they just happen to be there at the same time. I love kind of like this um it's like, are we almost going to meet up? Are we almost going to meet up? Are we yeah, almost yeah, going to see yeah, who's yeah. here? And, Clive, and Clive's got like this suspicion that like, I know he's here. I can feel him. He's like, he might be dead, man. He's like, no, he's he's here. So, and then once that happens and uh, they have the big fight scene and he puts Ultima, I think he puts him into his heart. Is that what he, is that mm. what he did? Right. And yeah. I was like, dude, that is such a cool scene. And then Clive like half remembers it. And he's like, no, I, I know he's here. So, and then from there we can keep talking about it. But yeah, his, his kind of, you know, cloak and dagger, shadowy traveling, you know, one step behind him, one step forward. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. And then once he was fully integrated into the story, I was like, let's go. That was one of the things that really like kept me playing, uh, like wanting to get home to keep playing and get through the side quest to get through, to get to the next. Cause I just, I was like, I want to catch up with Joshua because I think he's got the answers and yeah. I want to know. I want to know what's happening. So every time we were getting close and he'd go again, it, rem- it really reminded me of like a TV show where it's like, oh man, I can't wait for the next episode because I want to see, do we finally get some answers, you know? Um, Eric, what did you think of Joshua? Yeah, I mean, I, I yes, like that element of like, okay, because every time you see Joshua, they always give that little bit more of a hint of, okay, mm-hmm. they, they know more. They're letting on a little bit more now and stuff. And so, and a big part for me was wanting to find him to know what's going to happen to him because Ultima is in his heart which then proved to not actually do anything for like the whole game but then actually having him with you was really nice and seeing all of his different interactions with like Dion and with the, the woman that was traveling with him which I loved her I thought she was so cool she was, cool too. She was, she was awesome yeah um, yeah, I think, yeah, I really liked him. But again, kind of when he joins you, he does less, which I thought was weird. He does less and then more and then kind of like a lot more less and then a lot more. <laughs> um, So there was like a weird balancing act that they had to do there. But I was very intrigued by his, his story and his journey. And one, that was kind of a big point to keep playing. Yeah, I, I really like the character. Um, I, I never... I still don't fully understand. Well, I guess he's Phoenix, right? So, because I, I was like, "How is he alive?" And like, at some point, are they going to address that? Uh, not, not so much. Well, how is he alive? Because you can, you get it. You're like, "Well, he's Phoenix. He fucking healed. Like he just healed himself." But why is Clive not asking him how is he alive? <laughs> and no, like, <laughs> why he just sort of accepts that? Oh, you're alive. <laughs> But he has spent years and years looking for his killer. Like, this has been his whole goal. So at no point is there a cutscene where Clive is like, Joshua, how are you here? Like, I could have sworn I put my fist right through your chest and, like, fatalityed you. Yeah, you're the reason he's been going insane for the last decade. Yeah, like, I have literally, I thought about ending myself over this. Like, how are you alive and why didn't you tell me? (laughs) Like, I feel like it's missing that conversation. Um... Like, oh yeah, we can all put two and two together as to why Joshua survived mm. that night. Uh, but I just, I, I feel like there needed to be a conversation about it and for Joshua to go, listen, I forgive you for what happened and I know it wasn't you. The only other thing that confused me was obviously, yeah, it got to a point where you could see the hooded figure and it was like, it was when the hooded figure started talking, right? But he hasn't revealed his hood yet. You're like, I think that's Joshua. 
is it Joshua? And but what confused me then was at the very beginning of the game, Clive saw that same hooded figure before he went crazy and turned into Ifrit. So it's like, did Ultima show him a vision of the future? Yeah, I didn't get that at all either. I was hoping one like, of you could explain that to me. Yeah, so it's like, how did he look like what Joshua is going to look like eventually? It hasn't happened yet. So yeah, I don't know. That's that's the part that threw me off as well. It's like, wait, so... Because again, he kept... Even when he battles himself, like a lot of this stuff isn't kind of like adding up. So yeah, the original figure, unless he was just having a vision himself of like the prophecy. I, I don't know if they ever mentioned it as like a prophecy or anything like that of him coming right. back or anything, but... Yeah, I, I, I was confused as well. I was like, I don't, how did he see this if it's not even happened yet? And at this point, I don't think Ultima is, is meddling around in this. Like, it's it's clearly misdirection, right? It's clearly right. so that when you see the hooded figure later, you're caught up in who is this guy and what did they do? And that you will hopefully not think it's Joshua because they've ruled it out. They went, well, you killed Joshua and you saw that guy at the same time. So it can't be Joshua. But it's like, well, it is, and we're not fooled. We know it is. So, <laughs> yeah, you're not pulling the wool over our eyes. So, so why did he see that hooded figure that night? Yeah, I don't know. It has to be Ultima, right? That it's literally the only explanation I can come up with. Being a figure who could probably bend space and time and just warp with your head that way. But Eric, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I I actually kind of forgot about that. That he did see Joshua at the what? That's the game. pivotal. It's fucking pivotal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, that. <laughs> Joshua. Okay, so uh, we don't know, really, do we? It's probably Ultima, and I suppose maybe Ultima did, like, probably is able to bend space and time to his will, so he probably was able to see what Joshua looked like, and then made Clive see old Joshua so that anytime he would see hooded Joshua, he'd be forced to get closer to him because the closer they are together the closer they are to being united and forming that version that Ultima needs. Well, yeah, but yeah. is it, and also is it one of the things that um, he's ultimately trying to do to Clive is like detach him from the world. So if he starts seeing this hooded figure just to give him like a purpose of going, mm. Oh, this is what's killed me. This is what's, you know, I got to start chasing this. It gives him like this anger and this revenge that separates him from the rest of the world. Right. So it's giving him this mm. quest that he has to go do that's slowly turning him away from other people. I guess maybe that could be... I think you're onto something. Yeah, I think you're probably. onto something. I think that could be it. I think it's like an instilled goal in him to set him on the path that he ends up on, which is, of course, what happens, really. And I suppose the thing that's not accounted for is that Sid interrupts that. Sid right. interrupts that process and throws a spanner into the works and like starts trying to put Clive onto a different path. And had right, Sid yeah, never said he would have been he would have been had Sid never met Clive like Clive might have never ever given up on that goal and might have just walked straight into Ultima's hands essentially but um but one of the characters that Joshua pairs the party up with in a big way is Dion who is he the dominant knows. of Bahamut 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 how is it pronounced yeah. <laughs> that's another I, one I, of those I, ones. I say Bahamut yeah, I do too. Mm. Right, I also okay. say like Bohemian or something like that. Yeah. So That's... I think Dion is one of my favorite characters in the entire game. With the I worst name. 
with the worst name. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's so not fantasy at yeah. all. I think like, it's so not I'm medieval. Surprised. It's so Dion. When I look at the characters that are in here, I am surprised they didn't give the name Dion to Barnabas. Only because Dion is an anagram for Odin, and that would have been a cool. Oh, one. that would have been sick. When I look at them it. right beside each other, I'm just like, why did why why didn't you uh, why didn't you swap them? But anyway, as it stands, um, I think one of the cutscenes in the game where Dion, um, like when you finally understand why Dion went crazy and started attacking, where he accidentally kills his own father, is just fucking Classic. incredible. Dude, that spear throw. It's so good. And that little kid, I wanted to fucking kill him too. You know, that little brat, that little fucker. <laughs> Who has another dumb name? He's not, his name's not even Oliver. It's like Olivier. Uh, Olivier, is it? Is it Olivier? Olivier yeah. Some, yeah, they went for like the Olivier. French version. Yeah, that yeah. kid and his mother throw all the spears. <laughs> oh my God, she <laughs> I, I'd love to talk about her more in like part two, but she has to be like one of the most evil characters in Final Fantasy history. She is twisted. Yeah, but anyway, she's so anyway. so self concerned yeah. with her own well being. Yeah, but even like Dion's intro, which is that battle between. So yet again, you had the, the intro of Titan and Shiva is a battle, and yep. then the intro of of Bahamut and Odin is also another awesome epic battle, and that was really cool because it was the light versus dark as they just cutting through each other's like own defenses and weapons and attacks was an awesome way of introducing. It. That that character of Dion, this guy. So yet again, we have an um a fucking what are they called? Jesus, icon, an icon being used as <laughs> as a weapon to to take out the enemy, but then also finding he's a prince. But and but for it's... his people, he's a hero, right? He is mm. the the hero that you hope yeah, to he's call a champion. And, and like, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he is an absolute champ. Um, but and his father is such an interesting character, where you're not sure is he malevolent or is he being warped or is he like is he does he be truly believe what he is saying like it started to remind me of um uh, in the lord of the rings like dion's arc started to remind me a bit of faramir um who just wants you know to be recognized by his father and his father putting him into war and basically saying you're not good enough and favoring mm. another son and it just really reminded me of, and even that kingdom just sort of reminded me of Gondor. I mean, it looks like Minas Tirith nearly, you know? Um, <laughs> it's so cool. And I also, I just love that Dion as a character, like, even his his romance, you know, it's not something that's like overly in your face or anything like that, but it's there, it's present, and it's it's another powerful characteristic of this character. And in that kind of time period and in that kind of kingdom, you could see with a character as ignorant as Clive's mother pulling the strings, you could see her basically going, well, you can't be king because like, you're not going to give us grandchildren, right? Yeah. You could kind of hmm. see that kind of horrible thinking and like pushing him out as an outcast of, you're not good enough for this kingdom. But I've like just invaded in and had a child and now he's good enough because I've decided he's good enough, and like it's a really messed up situation. Like I just love that whole arc. Yeah, and uh, I like you bring up his relationship because it, it puts something on the line for Dion, right? Up until that point, yeah. you're just like he's just serving the king, he's doing his duty, but at the end, he's just like, no, I got someone I love that I, you know, that because especially when he, I don't know if it's before or after he 
he gets his ass beat, but when he when they part ways and he's like, This is this is the point where we separate. I have to go do this. Maybe I'll see you again, maybe I won't. And you they have that kind of moment and you're like, Okay, and then um his because then he kind of has this self-journey. I this his point is one of the times I wish that you could play different characters and not just Clive. Because yeah, I wanted to play Dion's journey of what of him going. I just killed all these people. I am bandaged. I am bruised. I now have to walk this, that little girl that I think was in a couple other cutscenes, yeah. like slowly healed him back up. Yeah. He yeah. wanted to make sure that she got the gold. I'm like, Dion is a, such an interesting character that as much time as we had with them. And I love that um, Joshua is kind of the one that uh, broker that. And they talk about how they were kids together and had this relationship because they were both, you know, uh, royalty. His journey was one that I thought was, I wish I could have played a part of that for maybe, 20 30 mm -hmm. minutes and, and see his kind of self-reflection on what he's done and how he's gonna grow because the next time you see him he, i believe he jumps into that battle and he's ready he's on your side he's ready to go but it's like i want to know what it took for you to get there yeah because he mm -hmm. was lost too man you just killed your father you just lost your your relationship yeah, by you his own what you're doing yeah you yeah, don't know yeah. what you're gonna do yeah. I, that would have been a very interesting thing to kind of see to a conclusion and some of those flower picking missions could have been given to him then like Clive, like get yeah. out of the real thing. <laughs> no, like one hundred percent. I actually, I get why the developers did it, and it's it's you know built into the design of the game. But I so wish you played as more than Clive, and Dion is one of those characters. Like I, there's mm. so many points where it cuts away to him, where I was like, actually put this in my hands. Like let me run around as him. Let me be yeah. this character. Uh, he's so cool, and he he he's a hero of his own story. Yeah, mm. he's not just a supporting character. Like, and that's one of the great things about this game. It's why I like the most interesting way to talk about this game is the the story and the spoilers because there's just such great characters in here with great arcs that are like fully fleshed out um, in ways that, that it was like one of the complaints of Final Fantasy 15, which is a game I really enjoyed, but there was so many arcs felt missing, like characters didn't you know grow beyond Noctis and things like that. Uh, and in this game, there's an abundance of that. There's a lot, like, even the NPC side characters who give you side quests have full arcs and things, you know? Like, there's well, even, a... even when you hit pause, what, what I forget what they call it. Was it ATB? Where every, every, every cutscene you could pause it and you could read all oh, the, the lore, active time the lore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or ATL, ATL. Yeah, yeah. yeah I would, yeah. dude, I did that so much because I just wanted to read all these things. Like, oh, this person knew, Dion knew, uh, joshua when they were doing this him and his father have this relationship him and the court are doing this i'm like dude there is so much into this game that you know like you were saying earlier Eric, like it is very game of thrones thronish where there's so much going on it's almost you got to play it a second time because now you're mm. gonna get it you're gonna be like oh yeah this person was this guy and now i get it more on the second time around but yeah dion for me was a character that if we're gonna make dlcs we make uh <laughs> we make dion get something in there yeah yeah definitely definitely yeah. Any more on Dion and Bahamut, apart from the awesome fight in space? <laughs> I, I see it too. Oh, that, that was that fight was awesome, man. It was it was that was crazy. badass. It, it was, was over crazy. the top. And it was outrageous. Actually, it was an annoying thing happened for you because, right? You, I think you were Chris. You were joking to me about something like thinking that you're going to go to space in this game. Oh, this I made was... a joke. Yeah, way before that, I made a joke. Like, way before I, this I wouldn't be surprised if you go to space in this game. Like, right. I was so joking. So then when that happened, I just, I knew Chris was past this point. So I just sent him a message going, I am laughing right now. And I sent him like an emoji of moons and stars and shit. Cause I went up to space, but I was like in the middle of the fight, in the middle of that moment, I was near the end. It was so fucking cool. And then the power went in my house. 
Oh, oh no! And I had to do the whole take again and I'm That's a so 20 much. minute battle, my friend. Yeah, I was so annoyed. <laughs> but it's but not just that, that, right? Even though the battle's so cool, when you have a moment like that and the momentum breaks, it's just not as fun as yeah. that to, to go back and do it again. It is like, on a second playthrough, but when you actually literally were like near the end of the fight, and I, it's not that you lost, it's that like the mm. power went on it, that sucks. <laughs> I was like two hits away from beating them and everything, like, you know, I, mean? I was like Man. really close to beating them. That's but uh, I actually, I think for me personally, Bahamut is my least favorite designed icon. I'm I'm not crazy about the design of him as a dragon, and I think it's I think it's that I have seen cooler designs. Well, yeah, we look at Final Fantasy VII. It's I mean mm, all yeah. Neo Bahamut, Bahamut yeah. Zero. Yeah. There's so, so many sick. other ways to do them where they kind of made him this yeah. fluid, or even like kind of... um, Final Fantasy X, where he's just a big. Bullfast dragon, you know. <laughs> just, yeah, give me that. Like they look like winged dragonborn, like just kind of standing there. Yeah, um, sick. Yeah, yeah I, was just, I, I would agree that he's probably the weakest designed out of out of all of them. They're watching, just like looking and going, I don't. What? What's? Where? What is? What is he <laughs> like? I just cut like quite grasp. There's like a load of like guns or something attached to him, and I was yeah. just. It's very interesting design for Bahamut. I mean, it was I think... a cool move. It was cool to watch the, him mm. do the like uh, the Giga Flare, whatever he was doing. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Sure. I mean, when you when you compare him pound for pound, like what how they redid Ifra and Shiva and Titan, he mm. was as and Bahamut I'd argue is one of the coolest summons. He was yep. probably the most lackluster. Yeah, yes. yeah, definitely. Um, but another one of the coolest summons. Bring this on coolest. to <laughs> bringing this on to our final. Uh, dominant and icon, and one that I think is designed really fucking cool is King Barnabas, who is also Odin. I I love Odin. Um, he's not in every Final Fantasy, but when he is in it, he's always a good time. <laughs> it's always such an interesting design for the character because obviously the name comes from like the Norse myth, but the character doesn't necessarily look Nordic. Like it's always like this big dark knight. You know, yeah. Uh, but the six-legged horse always looks amazing. Uh, what do you guys think of Barnabas as a character? Uh, I think a first for him, like when I first heard of the name, I was like, really? Like, because again, there's sort of this idea that he's like, he's sort of the somewhat Sephiroth of it, I suppose, or I don't know if that's the right sort of thing. But he's the guy. No, who that's messes wrong. With you. That's wrong. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, Sorry. He's, he's, a, he's essentially kind of like a, the vessel of evil in this game that you're yeah, eventually going to have to go against. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he's in it, and you know he's a big bad. He's not the big bad, but he's a big bad. And I yeah. just thought Barnabas was not the best name. Uh, I think Dion, actually, now that you pointed out, is an anagram for Odin would have been good. It's perfect. Um, it's sitting right there. It's sitting right there. Yeah. <laughs> right there. But, I would have liked that. Yeah, yeah. So, at first, I was a bit, like, thinking to myself, okay, Odin is... Barnabas is not doing much. Don't really like the name... Yeah, he looks fine, I suppose. And then it's when Kupika is dead, and it's when you're chasing him on the ship. And when Barnabas cuts through the ocean itself, I was just like, this guy is fucking badass. <laughs> Why yeah. was he not in this more? Yeah, That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, I, I love his ability when he's like just slicing through the air and it's just cutting shit up. And like, yeah, he splits the sea and it's very... Obviously, it's very Moses almost. Yeah. But it's like a dark Moses, you know? <laughs> and it's such a. And even then, when he like is saying like run, and the sea starts closing in, and they're running, and you know Jill is holding off the water. That's one of my favorite scenes in the whole game. Mm. Like, it's that just was awesome, yeah. Now, I kind of forgot about that, but now that you say that, yeah, she was running around, freezing it so that it didn't collapse in on you. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. 
what did you think of Barnabas as a character? Uh, I, I dug him. I thought it took me a while to wrap my head around him because he is this very because this is where the game gets very religious at this point. Like mm-hmm. he starts he starts quoting scripture. He's talking about you know literally he gets to the point where he's talking about gods and the end of the world and. So for me, the the game at this point takes a very different turn and mm. tone. Where at this point it was it was political boundaries and wars with these kingdoms. Where he's like, I've been doing this, and I finally found my purpose, and it's to serve God and all these things. I'm like, oh, you're you're very not into who wins the end of the war. You've got this agenda, or at least this thing feeding into you that you've got a higher purpose. You you feel like you're serving this divinity, this divinity cause. So. For me, Barnabas, Barnabas is a stand away from all the other characters because nobody else is on his level of, of what of the agenda of what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. As far as his look, um, he looks kind of like Clive, kind of like I'm looking at a picture yeah. of him right now. You're right. He's got this look of like and you can see how because he is supposed to be the body that Ultima wants to go after. There's a reason why he's manipulating Odin, the strongest one before Ifrit arrives. So this is the character that's meant to challenge um clive the most and that's essentially what he's saying like the whole time like i'm here to battle you i'm here to show you that there is no point to all of this you know you need to sacrifice yourself for this higher power and at the end he's like no i'm not going to do that there's always a choice so for me this is where the game completely does a 180 and starts focusing on this divinity level of of higher power versus saving the world and these different countries where at, when you start talking to Barnabas, it seems at this point, he's like, that's meaningless. That's kid stuff. We don't like that's, this isn't the end game. This is. And then, yeah. so for me, the game completely changes in tone and then what you're mm. and the agenda of what the, the enemies want you to start doing. So I thought it was extremely interesting. And, uh, and, and I did not see that coming. Cause once you started talking the way he was, I'm like, Oh, this game's going in a whole different direction now. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I think, I think Barnabas is an essential character for where the arc goes. You kind of need someone uh, on the ground level who can be a spokesperson on behalf of because like when anytime Ultima talks, it's in language that's just sort of it's above us, right? Like he's talking right. in grand concepts, we get a gist of what he means, but we'll never fully understand him as a being because he's, you know, above us. But Barnabas is mortal. So when he's talking, we're like, "Okay, I get it now. <laughs> so I, yeah. I get where you're going with this. I do find that some of the stuff he says is a little bit generic. Uh, there's so many villains like that where it's like, what I want is for the betterment of everyone, the next phase of human evolution, which is, they all go crazy. And it's like, yeah, I've heard that before. But right. the way he's utilized in the story and just how badass he is, he's like, he's one of the coolest characters in the game. And his music, his music stood out to me yeah. in a big way. It was really dark and haunting and gothic. And uh, I also loved his um, his like henchman character, his sidekick. Oh yeah, uh, who Slip- makes who makes bodies of what was that guy's name? Slipnir. Slipnir. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. so weird and slimy and horrible, <laughs> and uh, and I loved him. I thought he was great. I thought he was another great villain who like like he was one of the first people to actually say mythos. Like he was on like he when he came into the story instead of saying that it's like. Oh, I don't know who this guy is, but he's in the know. Like, he knows shit. Hmm. And that's when you start getting hints that, like, oh, maybe King Barnabas' region are the people who, like, they know what's really going on. Everyone else is, as you said, Craig, like, they're fighting over land and shit. And these guys over here, like, none of that matters. Like, you you just haven't got long to live. I don't know why you're fighting over this stuff. That's, That's... 
you guys aren't thinking about the end game at all, which is that what, we're all what, getting. What did you say man. the guy's name was? Slipnir. Is he the one that comes in and gut punches uh, Hugo? Yeah. When he loses his yeah, hands, yeah, that yeah. was him, right? Okay. Yeah. He Slipnir is the name of the horse too, right? Yes. So Slipnir is like remember when Garuda in the church chapel thing summoned these two weird kind of. Oh, the sisters, the harpy. Yeah, sisters. The, the, the demon sisters. Yeah, so Slipnir is that for Odin. He's he's a conjuration of of Odin. Dope. Nice. Yeah, he, well, yeah he's I, really, I, don't, I, I don't think I dug too much into him. I just I thought it was like his right hand man, but now that you're saying that that's that's the conjuring of him because he comes back with like what like fifty forms. Yeah, and that, oh, was that right. just yeah, him? Yeah, yeah. Was that just him summoning him over and over again? Yeah, pretty much. Just uh, he can summon Slipnir as much as he wants and just have a whole army. Also, that was a cool that was a cool fight too. So is that character even an actual person? Is that what you're saying? He's not. No, not really. No, I think he's just an extension of Barnabas. That's really cool. I really I like think that. I could be wrong again. No, I think I think you're right because I was always thinking too. I'm like, why does Odin get another thing with him? He gets yeah, yeah, yeah. he has the horse and him, so that would make sense if. Because and the other thing that was always cool, I don't think we dug into it, is like when they turn into the icons and they that they're big forms. I love that they have their kind of slightly powered up form. You know, they're, they're, oh, kind, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. they're kind of humanistic looking form. So I'd imagine that if he could do the humanistic looking form, the horse could take on something. And be that, and be the right hand guy. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool, actually. But yeah, I, I I just really like the role Barnabas plays in the story, and I think it's important to have, um, at least one of the dominants be a a villain character who's actually on side with the main villain. You know what I mean? Like Kupka is obviously a villain, but he's not. He has no idea about Ultima. Like he's just got his own goals going on. Like he he actually has no idea that he's being played as a puppet in all this as well. Uh. There is a really weird scene. We mentioned it earlier where Barnabas is sitting on the bed and Ultima is turning into <laughs> lots of people. Yeah. And uh, at one point is like cradling Barnabas. Uh, I think he turned. I think he turns into his mother. He does. Yeah. Yeah. That guy really it's weird, weird, right? It's it's. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real Oedipus complex. Yeah, I think so. So <laughs> I think is he a character that's just longing to like be loved? And... I don't know. It's weird because doesn't he turn into because he turns into Benedicta, right? Because we understand that that's so. At some point, he's got a. He, he, and this is what threw me off. We know that there's people that have these weird mommy uh, things where they want to be just loved and 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 cared for, but then it, at some point he had to have known Benedicta, and maybe that was a past love. Like, why would it be turning into her specifically? And versus any other woman that I guess he just would have had pleasure with. Fair point. At this point, he's going like, "Come on, my king! It's always been me." Because does it? I think he even says something he's like, "Oh, you love? You're still in love with with Sid, and you your your devotion and loyalty is still to Sid." So that was something that was never really explained either, because it made it seem like Benedicta was coming over to his side, and that's why she left Sid, and that's why I was getting confused. I'm like, "Well, is Benedicta working with Barnabas?" Then at the same time, then why is she in love with Hugo, or that's where I was getting a little mixed up with this. Yeah, I, I love trying. I think you're right. I think she, I think actually, never mind what I said earlier. Scrap that, everybody. <laughs> Maybe that was the real Benedict earlier, and she was having a little thing with Barnabas, and on the side having the thing with Kupka. Right, because that was the whole thing with Sid is that she left Sid to join up with with right. Him, I, she I, she I, works I with the Kingdom of Elude, right? That's what I. That's what I was under the I, assumption. I, I think you're right. <laughs> so at that point i just didn't get and that's what i'm saying there needs to be more with sid's background because i want to see how him i guess he got benedicta out of whatever 
you know, mm. hostile area they were in once upon a time. But like, I want to know the shift of when she did that and then he stayed behind. And then obviously that's when he starts the hideout. But yeah. like, there has to be something that plays an important part there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Maybe she's from Walud because Barnabas isn't. Barnabas's mother aren't from that's, Walud. That's right. They do mention that he comes from some other foreign land. So maybe when they conquered, they conquered Benedict's home. Benedicta left, met Sid, had a thing, but then somehow Barnabas was able to convince her to join back to her home side of Walud. Well, she's very much right. I always get the feeling that she's on. She's on her side. Yeah. And if there's a winning. banging everybody in this game. Yeah. But if there's (laughs) there's a a place. If there's a winning team, that's who she's playing for. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I still, but I still think she has. I still think Barnabas's ideas is what she's, is what she's actually believing in. Mm. Oh, okay. I, I, you think like you know what I mean? I still think what I still think his his end game plan is is something that she one hundred percent believes in. Whether or not she once upon a time loves Sid or, or maybe does or does not love Hugo, I or even Barnabas for that matter. I think she's in love with the idea of what Barnabas is trying to accomplish, and that's why she gives right. Sid like two times. She's like. This is the time it's going to come. But again, they don't dive that much into it. And Artemis for out of all the other characters is easily the most complex because you want to mm. know why is ultimate influencing him? Why is he the king when it's like you were saying his mother came from this foreign land? Why is every other country afraid of him? But they don't dive into like his background and, and what he's actually what he's been doing to make all this happen. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. And his relationship with Ultima is a super super interesting one but uh ultima it was the next character we got to talk about um is one that we gotta dive into in part two of the ff16 spoiler cast thank you so much everyone for listening to part one don't forget to get in touch with your own thoughts on everything we brought up there's way more we could talk about the characters you guys have probably picked up on way more lore than we've even picked up like point out things to us if you know we're wrong point out more things if there's more information that we, we wanted to know about certain characters if you have it or any little like your favorite things about certain characters that we brought up please do let us know if you're watching youtube jump down in the comments to share your thoughts if you enjoyed this discussion give us a thumbs up hit subscribe and ring that notification bell for all future content. To those of you who are listening on audio platforms, you can also touch base uh, on social media. Craig, you want to shout out your handles? Yeah, you can do us at Last Call Production on all the social medias. You can find me at Craig Prowlis on all the social medias. And on YouTube, you can find us at Last Call Gaming. Excellent. And then for the brother's take, if you want to get in touch with us, it's Facebook, Instagram, and uh, uh, Twitter, X, whatever it's called nowadays, <laughs> at the brother's take. So do get in touch, guys. Make sure you're subscribed to both channels uh, for all future podcasts. And don't forget to check out part two coming very soon. Thank you very much, everyone. We'll talk to you in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to part one of the Final Fantasy 16 spoiler cast. Part two will be up on Last Call Gaming's podcast, so make sure to jump over to Last Call Gaming on YouTube or on audio platforms to check out part two of the Final Fantasy 16 spoiler cast.